Across the city and South Cambridgeshire. Cambridge 105 Radio. Live and local. Good afternoon and welcome to Cambridge 105 Radio across the city and South Cambridgeshire. And this is Saturday lunchtime, so of course it is either always Flavour or the Cambridge Film Show. And we've got a bit of both for you this week, frankly, because we've got some tasty treats lined up to talk about. And we're going to start shortly by finding out what's on the menu with Ray Fiennes, Annie Taylor-Joy and Nicholas Holt. Uh, we are going to be cutting into a glass onion. Uh, we are going to be clearing up bones and all and a whole host of other films to talk about as well, including She Said Matilda and much more. Uh, do stay with us for the next hour. Uh, I am Mark Walsh and it's going to be fun because uh, it's been a while since I've actually hosted this show. So for nothing else, stay for the next hour and see if I manage to press all the right buttons. That in itself will be entertaining. But we have so much more than that, including a crack team uh, of reviewers uh, who I'm going to get to just introduce themselves so I don't pronounce any names wrong. Uh, first of all, making his debut on the show. Good afternoon. Hi, I'm uh, Nick. Uh, and we have... Hello everyone, I am Yozzy. We have... Uh, Simon West, back again. Uh, yes, back again, like a renegade master. And... Uh, hi everyone, I'm Alfie. And uh, they are going to be your guides today through, I, I think, what is about the best selection of films in cinemas, certainly the most diverse since the pandemic started. Uh, so let us, without any ado, find out uh, what is our first course. Welcome to Hawthorne. Here we are family. We harvest, we ferment, we gel. They gel. We gel. He's not just a chef, he's a storyteller. The game is trying to guess what the overarching theme of the entire meal is going to be. You won't know till the end. Who are you? I am Margot. Why do you care? I have to know if you're with us or with them. This menu. The pictures, they're of us. This guest list. How do they get this? It's not good. This entire evening. Jesus Christ. This is just theater. It's stagecraft. We're leaving now. Has been painstakingly planned. This is real, isn't it? What the hell is going on? We now offer you a 45-second head start. <laughs> okay, 45 seconds starts now. Well, we have uh, about 55 minutes to start now, so let's start by talking about the menu. Nick, was this to your taste? Well, um, a new film from Mark Mylod, um, a horror movie uh, where we're introduced uh, uh, to a bunch of characters who have been in, uh, paid top dollar to come to the most exclusive restaurant in America. Um, we meet uh, a disparate set of characters who are variably unpleasant bankers and acerbic um, um, uh, food critic um, and Anya Taylor-Joy and her um, partner who's uh, uh, Nicholas Holt and a couple of other characters we we end off going to uh, this island where um, things begin to unfold in a rather dramatic fashion quite quickly um, I would say that this was a script that was originally has been blacklisted for a, a while so in development for quite some time um this is a, a, a film that's been sort of in in production for a while emma stone i believe was originally cast to be for anya taylor joy but um anya taylor joy is is fantastic in this um as is uh ralph fines who's the erstwhile chef who um he comes across in his t only way that he can very sinister 
I enjoyed it, to be honest with you. I think um, it's it, 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 tonally Shutter Island and Wicker Man came to light in, in parts and I was watching it thinking it's, it's got that sort of vibe and that tone to it. Um, it's a movie that I think got slightly lost in um, in midway through, where it could have been a movie exploring how um, cults evolve or communities, uh, isolated communities evolve to get their own sort of slightly skewed and warped view on the world. Um, or it could have been a narrative exploring um, greed and um, the effects of greed and bullying and how other people treat themselves in the world. In the end, I think it was neither. Um, and it, it was fun, but forgettable. But not that makes it sound as if I didn't enjoy it. I did enjoy it. I did enjoy it a lot. Um, and I think it, it, it's, it could have been more visceral. It was trying to. It was a horror movie, but it was a horror movie with uh, exploring sort of uh, the tension, the drama of, of relationships and 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 how they can destroy people. Um, I don't want to give too much away about the film, but I would say that uh, it's enjoyable, and you won't be disappointed in it. But you may find that you've enjoyed it, but will forget it quite quickly afterwards. Uh, to segue nicely from that, Simon, did this leave you hungry for more? Um, well, it left me hungry for more in the sense that there was so much more about the story that they did miss out. Um, I mean, straight off from the bat, I absolutely love this film. I thought it's fantastic. Every single actor was, you know, to the top of the game. Annie Taylor-Joy as the, um, like I said, the audience representative immediately cutting through all the potential of the rest of the characters mm. and the dining and fine dining and everybody just trying to find, you know, all the influence of style, which will be coming a lot during the show, trying to find more than there actually is when really you just want a good cheeseburger um <laughs> yeah the only problem i did find with it was that a lot of the other characters apart from the main um nicholas holt and eternal joy and ray fines seemed to be quite thin and quite passive mm. um and you didn't quite understand i mean nick mentioned the possible cult um aspects of it and that's one of the things i didn't quite realize is there is a big plan here but you can't quite work out how that came about and it you know it's just some unanswered questions which could be you know found up in a later film or something but it's more likely it's just all surface and you have the main things and everything else is just background hmm. uh, i think nick wants to come in and say but alfie i'm gonna get your thoughts first before we, before we go any further um uh, what did you think on this one uh yeah i thought it was a very unique and very funny horror film i, thought, I was surprised how like comedic and funny it was judging by the trailer I didn't you know I thought it was just going to be like a straightforward horror movie but I thought it was very funny I like the um I like the scenes when you know the people eating the food are like trying to find hidden meaning in the food in quote even though like the food is awful but like there's a reason why it's awful like there's a part in the beginning where they're served bread but it's literally like like the parts of a bread that aren't put to like it's, it's hard to explain without spoiling but um, yeah, I thought it was very funny. Uh, Ralph Fiennes was fantastic. He's always great in everything he's in. Um, he's, like, really creepy. And, you know... And, yeah, like, all the actors were really good. Um, but I felt like by the third act, without spoiling anything, some characters make, like, weird... Like, thi like there's things that happen to some characters in the third act that don't really... Like, they can be easily preventable. Mm. 
Yeah, they're, they're, they're just by... As I say, they start to become passive. Yeah. And they're just there in the plot rather than actually mm. being full-form characters in themselves. Yeah, like I think those... a lot like some of the dishes, you know. Mm. There, there is actually a point when uh, the, one of the characters even acknowledges maybe we should be fighting back yeah, more yeah. than we are in this situation. Yeah, like, he was an actor, wasn't he? And I don't want to spoil anything, but there was like a really stupid reason why he was there. He was mm. put there because Ralph Fiennes' character didn't like a film he was in. So, like... I feel like that character should have fought harder to get out, considering that everyone was there for, like, a specific reason that makes sense, like, you know, why they're there. Mm. Like, being in a bad film isn't really a reason to get, you know, No, I, I, I mean, I, I would agree. And I think when I said um, that it, it, it didn't really... It, it was it was forgettable in the sense that I, that sounds over harsh. I don't mean it quite as, as strongly as that, as that sounds, but I think I agree that the characters weren't fully developed and the rationale for them being there or being there seemed rather light. If I were to, if without giving too much away, if I wanted to invite this particular guest list for the reasons that where they were invited, I might have invited um, a set of people that had. I had stronger motivations to bring them to the island. I'm skirting around it somewhat so that I don't give away the plot too much. But yeah. what I would say is that then their motivations, uh, the motivations for them being there, felt a little slight to me. And then their how when the movie as the movie evolved, the their reactions to the situations that they were put in seemed again slightly light and not in quite the way I would have expected them to react, which meant that by the third act, while I was enjoying the movie, and I, I, I do stress I did enjoy it, I didn't. it's a very well-made movie, um, it just didn't bring me along in the way that I'd hoped it to, would, and I wasn't invested in the characters in the way that I'd expected to be. But I would just echo everyone else's point. Anya Taylor-Joy is fantastic. Ralph Fiennes is, does his, you know kill the spare beautifully as he always does and um, and uh, Nicholas Holt I always enjoy seeing in movies uh, but I agree, the rest of the cast were lost somewhat in the periphery uh, I, I think without spoiling anything we can say that there's an underlying thesis within the film that it's not a great fan of the pretension of, of fine dining it's trying to mm. tear that down a little yeah. bit I'm not sure I entirely agreed with that I think there is a place for three Michelin star meals as well as a cheeseburger and I would happily have all of those in my diet how, how do you all feel about there that? There is, but there are also a lot of the scenes about the um, contrast between the you know, the haves and the have-nots and the working class and the serving classes um, and that's a lot where the contrast builds. Um, it also really helped build up the tension. Um, like I said, you have all mm. the surface, you know, surface ideas and the food, like I said, the tension was hollow, but when it comes down to it, um, you know, we've talked about the comedy and the characters, but I just really want to say that the tension and the pacing of this film was great. Mm. Some of them really tense scary moments which you know jaw dropping mm. i can't believe they just did that what was going on um did come through absolutely wonderfully yeah it was tense and it was never boring um, we we've talked a lot about the cast mate alfie uh, i think yeah we, we mentioned uh, ray fines were there any other standouts for you in terms of the performances um, not really um i really like anya taylor joy as an actress i think she's like one of my favorite actors of all time but I mean, as you said, like, she's kind of like the lens that the viewers are meant to... Like, she's, like, the only normal one there. Like, everyone is just kind of weird and have, like... And they have, like, you know, something evil behind, like, their backstory or whatever. But, like, she's just kind of a normal person who was invited there by, like, mistake, kind of, without spoiling too much. Um, but, yeah, she was just kind of... 
like the the boring kind of normal main character who's trying to escape it all. And I don't think she really like, stood out that much compared to even the supporting characters. I think were a bit more interesting than her. Yeah, I think ultimately Ray Fiennes is the standout here, isn't he? He's the, he's the, the one who's getting you uh, to the table uh, and, and probably keeping you there. Um, I have to say I'll probably agree with you, Simon, that I, I really enjoyed this. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it was a shame, though, that it, it did try and have its cake and eat it, if you'll pardon the, the pun, um, that it's trying to tear down this world, but also, in a weird way, celebrating it as well. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think go and make your own mind up. Uh, I think we're generally encouraging you to do so. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are tempted by the menu, uh, it's an hour and 47 minutes. It's got a 15 rating and it's showing at the view and the light here in Cambridge and the Cineworlds further afield as well. You are listening to the Cambridge Film Show on Cambridge 105 Radio and we have got a whole host of treats still to come for you on the show. Uh, but we're going to turn now to food of a very different kind. Uh, as we consider Bones and All, it's the new film from uh, Luca Guadagnino, who you might remember making such varied delights as Call Me By Your Name and the remake of Suspiria. I think his next film is going to be a tennis uh, comedy, <laughs> but of course it is. Uh, you know, this is this is the delights of the man. Um, he's uh, reuniting with uh, Timothy Chalamet, and uh, I hope I've got your pronunciation correct, Timothy, if you were listening this morning. Uh, but uh, let's hear uh, Timothy now talk a little bit about his own character. Bones and All is a is a love story. It's a a story that uh, chronicles the coming of age for Marin, who's played wonderfully by Taylor Russell. But it's as much about um, falling in love, first love. Um, from you know when we made it, when we developed the script with Luca and, D- and Dave, it was you know the peak of COVID, and uh, I think something that was relevant to all of this was being isolated. Everyone in the world has their experience, and this idea that absent uh, religious focus, if you have that in your life, or a strong community, which a lot of people didn't have during COVID, you, your reality was the story you told yourself to get by on you know how to make sense of what was going on in the world. And I thought there was something very powerful in those stories of isolation. There's a strong supporting cast in the film as well, including as one of the drifters who also shares these particular desires, Mark Rylance. As we talked more and more, I, 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 got, I got a different understanding of this character maybe being like an artist, that one of the ways he'd survived this affliction was to make it into something beautiful, for all its horror, to make it into something that had a care and a concern in terms of his victims being remembered at least, that they weren't just trashed and thrown away, that he saved things um, and carried around something on them. So, Simon, I'm going to come to you first, not least because uh, you admitted on our, our little show WhatsApp group that you didn't realise or didn't know this was a, a cannibal film before you went to see it. So um, wh- when, when did that realisation first kick in during the, the screening of the film? Pretty much in the first five minutes. Um, I had no idea going into this. I didn't know it was a quite popular young adult novel. Um, I just thought, you know, uh, Gugadino again with Chalamet... Um, Call Me By Your Name is a fantastic, fantastic film, so it's good to see them reunited. Um, let's go see. It's supposed to be quite a nice road movie, romantic. And then in the first five minutes, they throw a left turn in there, if you didn't know, um, where they start introducing the cannibal ho- element. And I realised, ooh, it's a young a adult, uh, not adult, a uh, horror film mixed in with road movie and coming of age. And I thought, okay, this is right down my street. This is going to be interesting. And then for the next two hours or so, I was absolutely mesmerised by it. 
Um, the performances by everybody is superb. Taylor Russell's winning awards already, and I can definitely see her being nominated for a lot more. Um, I didn't realise she's a girl from Escape Room films, so I'm glad to see that she's really <laughs> come on quite a lot. Uh, Mark Rylance is reliable and creepy as ever. Michael Stuhlberg, again, from Call Me By Your Name, turns up for a brief, very, very menacing, very creepy cameo. Um, and... It, it's just wonderful. Um, it's closer to, although people say it's a cannibal film, the, the, the treatment of cannibalism is different in this film and it is more akin to vampirism. Um, it really brought to mind Near Dark, the 1980s classic, um, while watching it, and I got the vibes from that. And it is just basically using, as usual, the cannibalism stroke vampirism as other enough that teenagers and young adults feel where they're trying to discover their life, discover who they are, uh, going back to their roots, um, you know, falling in love for the first time. A lot of it travelling across America, so you've got the Midwest, the absolutely beautiful countryside, um, scene by scene. Um, five minutes before I saw the film, I found out the soundtracks by Trent Reznor and Atkins Ross, mm-hmm. um, two of my favourite artists and again absolutely stunning um, it's been nominated for songs and soundtrack for awards already and I'm sure it's going to be nominated for a lot more pretty much everything in this film came together for me it's going to be at the top of my you know in the top two or three of my film of the year list it's just wonderful well I mean that's a rave to start with Yossi I'll come to you next and I think of all the genres of film uh, possibly apart from maybe romantic uh, dramas Horror is the one where the moment you mention that to people, they, they have the Marmite reaction. Uh, other yeast spreads are available. Um, they're, they're either really excited or actually will run away in fear. So is this the kind of film that was slapped with the 18 rating uh, and has the horror label? Will people who are not fans of horror get something from it, do you think? It's good you've asked me that, Mark, because I'm not a fan of horror. Um, but this isn't particularly horrific. It's directed by Luca Guadagnino, who could make a stealing, steaming pile of poop look gorgeous and sumptuous. And that's very much what he does in this. It is a very nice-looking film. It is uncomfortable at times. This is a film about cannibalism. Um, And for me, I know Simon absolutely loved it, for me, it takes a lot to get over that kind of darker subject matter. Um, And I just wanted a little bit more character development from this film. I have to say, I think um, Timothée Chalamet and Taylor Russell are absolutely wonderful in this. Mark Rylance is, is quite terrifying. Um, and if we are going to talk about horror, then he is quite a creepy character in this. Um, but because it's also going down that kind of romantic drama route, I wanted a little bit more from that. If it's going to do the cannibalism thing, then do more of that. Or if you're going to do the romantic drama thing, do a bit more of that. I, I I don't know. The balance was just a little bit off for me. Having said that, I did not expect to like it as as much as I did. I just didn't completely love it. Interesting. I I did see Nick uh, somebody on Twitter uh, earlier today trying to make an assertion that uh, Timothy Chalamet is a supporting character in this film. Actually, uh, yeah, I think to support yours's point about character development, you know, it, apart from Taylor Russell, everyone generally drifts in drifts out and and do we do we learn about as much about them as you would like um for me yes actually I, i'm afraid i i i love this as well um and simon i pretty much said everything that i was going to say in terms of um it being a an outsider 
it's a, a, a love story, a cannibal love story as a road movie, um, a coming-of-age story. I made the same note about vampires in Near Dark. It had tonally. So for me, um, I found the balance. The, the this is a film about outsiders. Um, it's about cannibalism, and it's a, and uh, it's about another things. But essentially, it's a, it's about being an outsider. And there are two things I would say on that. The first is it's shot beautifully. Um, the cinematographer Renzi Kachaturian. He's he's got some amazing shots. There's a there's a, there's a shot when they're going underneath a big a bridge. Uh, artery across America and they're underneath it sleeping in the van and you, you get the sense that they're this outcast outsider sort of vampire stroke cannibal class without giving too much away which I thought was brilliantly observed and that leads me on to my second point which is this is a film about so to answer your point um, Mark this is a film I, I felt was about a storytelling um, I never thought, I mean, as an oxymoron, a cannibal love story is a brilliant oxymoron, and yet you're a, the story allows you... I, I felt that it wasn't... Where the characters end up didn't particularly surprise me. It was, But the journey that they went on and the fact that I cared for these characters and their relationships and what happened to them um, is a testament to the storytelling of, of a, a love story that involves cannibalism, and I don't think that's giving too much away. Um, it's not an easy sell, and I think as a piece of storytelling, it did very, very well. And for that, I would say the characters were developed enough because I was invested in them. But I do get Yossi's point. Um, you don't... You, the, everyone is always on the margins. Everything here is on the margins. I mean, I, I, actually, you raise a good point there. You are rooting for... Um Timothée Chalamet's and Tony Russell's characters throughout this film, you mm. you want them to, you really are rooting for them, despite perhaps the darker sides, their their tendencies to maybe go into the cannibalistic nature. Mm. Um, so I, I do give I, I do give credit to to the film for that. Um, it's just I don't know. I just wanted a little bit more in terms of. I don't know, feeling for the... Having that sense of motivations. It got a little bit mixed up because they, they want to do the things that they're doing, but they don't. And I just I just wanted to get more out of that. I, just, I will agree with one thing there. There's more cannibalism than love, shall we say, in the story. Uh, there's, it, it's visceral in places where um, perhaps the passion of their relationship, which was another thing that I picked up on. Even when they kiss... Um, you, there's a tension there because they're cannibals and um, they're touching each other. And you do wonder at, at, at times what's going to happen. But I do take your point that it's it, it focuses more on. I'm really picking here. I'm yeah. really, I, I, just because I know these two loved it so much, Mark. I'm just picking picking at things. I mean, I thought the film was more about Taylor Russell. She's the main character as Marin. She set up as the main character. It follows her, and it just shows how all the other characters drift in and out for life at various times. Um, so I don't expect as much character development from them, and that includes Timothy Chalamet as Lee. And you do wonder about how much he's going to be in and out. So as everybody else mm. um, and I, I think her character does develop you know she learns about the independent she learns about when to be vulnerable she learns when to trust other people um, so I can I mean I can see where Yossi's coming from I just don't necessarily agree well That's it right. It is always it's always nice when we have a, a variety of opinions to come to the show. Um, I will say I'm, I'm uh, coming very much into the the absolutely loved it camp. Um, I, I think for me the the 
actually one of the best directed of Luca Guadagnino's films. You know, he's a fantastic, varied director, as I mentioned at the, the top of this discussion. Uh, there's one moment in particular when something horrific is happening in a room and we're hearing Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross's incredible score and it then cuts to outside and the peace and tranquility mm-hmm. of the world, mm-hmm. but then reverses and cuts back into the horror again. Um, and just little moments like that just, just really uh, stood out for me. So yeah, I'm a, a big fan of this one as well. Um, if you are tempted in by this one and uh, brave enough to stomach an 18 rating... Uh, then Bones and All is showing at all three Cambridge cinemas and also Cineworlds a little bit further afield as well. Uh, Still to come on the show, we have got, uh, I think, another five films after this one, so it's going to be a packed show. Uh, But uh, let us turn our attention now to uh, another film for the world's most famous detective. Hello! Oh, my God! Crew, we've arrived! Disruptors have assembled! Welcome, gang. We got a great weekend. Who's that? Benoit Blanc, the detective? Mr. Prompt, I cannot overstate my gratitude to be here. When's the murder mystery start? I've invited you all to my island. Hi! Because tonight, a murder will be committed. My murder. Once you're dead, Will we still be able to talk to you? Yeah, I'm not playing dead the whole weekend. So if you've been living in a glass onion for the past uh, couple of years, then you might not know that this is a sequel to Knives Out, although it is billed as Glass Onion and Knives Out a Mystery. And that's a useful reminder for me to make sure the details are on the screen for all our reviewers <laughs> in the studio, because uh, I did say I was going to have trouble pressing all the right buttons, and that's the one I'm struggling with most so far. Um, uh, Alfie, I'll come to you. Did this press all the right buttons for you? Uh, yeah, de- definitely. I'm, I'm a big fan of Knives Out. I saw it during um, the pandemic, and I loved every second of it. All the twists and turns was very surprising. Um, this isn't the twists and turns that Glass Onion takes isn't as surprising, but that might just be because I'm expecting something similar to Knives Out for a Knives Out sequel. So I don't think that's um, Ryan Ryan Johnson's fault. Uh, Daniel Craig and Edward Norton both stole the show in every scene they were in. Every time they, you know, had an argument or like were talking to each other, I was I was on board. It was very enjoyable. I really liked it. Uh, Simon, I, I, I don't think it's fair to describe Brian Johnson as an auteur, but you know he has made again, like Luca Guadagnino, a real variety of films: you know, Brick, Looper, The Brothers Bloom, uh, Star Wars: The Last Jedi, and of course now Knives Out as well. Are you are you a fan of his work in general? Well, he's made some absolutely fantastic films, but he's also made some absolute stinkers because he did mention um, Star Wars there. Um, so for him to come back to this, um, I mean, I know Netflix has paid him so much for it. I think it's something like it's like a uh, hundred million. 300 million film uh, deal over like three films um so yeah trying to repeat knives out was always going to be a tough task and i thought this film was pretty slow going um while trying to introduce again it's reprehensible unlikable disruptors and influences because like i said we're back again um and then eventually the main meat of the film kicks in and the murder mystery and at that point I was hooked I did not have a clue what's going on I had no idea it was interesting it it constantly wrong sided me I didn't know what's going to happen next I didn't expect what was going on and you really got into the meat of the mystery and where everybody came to the fore um and it was absolutely you know from that point on almost fantastic until 
again, the end left me completely unsatisfied. I'm not quite sure why. So, apart from like an onion, the outer layers at the front and the back being like, you know, the skin you throw away, the actual centre of it was absolutely wonderful. Um, you know, main criticisms were actually probably some of the characters are going a little bit thinly used. Uh, Jessica Henwick, um, who's, you know, up and coming, was was barely noticeable, same as Leslie Oldham Jr. Um, but Janelle Monet is fantastic, Daniel Craig, Kate Hudson, Edward Norton again, and Dave Batista, always, um, always got time with him. Uh, Alfie, are you the kind of person that, that manages to work out the twists and turns and see where the ending's coming in these kind of films? Did this, did this keep you surprised to the end? Well, after seeing Knives Out, you know, these kinds of films, you can't really just choose a character and say, OK, I think they're the killer, they're the killer. Because, you know, the film's kind of more than that. It's more, it's not really, like, the twist isn't really about the killer. Uh, the twist is more about, like, like the, the backstory to the killer more. Because, like, you can't really predict the backstory. Like, because they give you clues throughout the, the first and second acts, and then it all comes together in the third act, which I disagree with you. I think I really liked the third act. I thought it was, like, hysterical. I thought it was funny. I thought, like, the set, the set piece in that, you know, I'm not going to spoil anything. But just like the setting was more exciting and interesting than in the first Knives Out, which was more stereotypical, you know, castle, big house. This was more of like a futuristic, modern, rich island, which I thought was very, like you know, uh, much more entertaining. I think, um, even though I prefer the first Knives Out, I think this, um, you know, I think it was a lot funnier and some at some points more like interesting and surprising. I mean, it's out what, December twenty third on Netflix, it is, and it is. if you've got your family around to watch this at Christmas, you'll have a great time. I mean, the it's one the one thing I would say is that I've alluded to the fact that we have a list on the studio of the the cast that we're talking about, and if I was to scroll down this list, it would give away lots of celebrity cameo names, which I'm going to I'm going to scroll back up just to, yeah. to avoid any risk of giving those away because they are a particular treat. Yeah, don't um, go on IMDb if you don't want spoilers. I made a terrible mistake when I went to watch this film uh, because my wife and I were sat having dinner beforehand, and she asked me who was in it. So of course I went to IMDb to look up the cast list and instantly spoiled every single one of the cameos. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I'm going to give one cameo away because I'm a classical music fan, as many listeners will know, um, and uh, there is uh, a, a cameo in almost the first scene by Yo-Yo Ma, and I think I was the only person who recognised him in the cinema. I saw the name in the credits, but I missed that one. Um, uh, I did, for some for reasons, I saw the beginning twice. Um, and, yeah, the, the two cameos, which I know have been spoken about, seeing Stephen Sondheim and Angela Lansbury on screen again, we were both fantastic and that, that was a great scene yeah I mean, it's a, it's a, it, it, although they're only on screen very briefly a lovely tribute to have a film like this to them both as well yeah. um, you also mentioned the fact that uh, this is a I think a three picture deal with Netflix for Ryan Johnson are you already looking forward to the next one Alfie um, yeah I just uh, hope they try and make it the third one a bit more different because I feel like Glass Onion Knives are a bit similar so I hope that with the third one in, sorry uh, I hope that in the third one you know he'll find some way to make it still fresh but still you know, recognisable. Well, I should be very much looking forward to that. Uh, it's going to be near my top-of-the-year film list. I'm just a massive fan of Ryan Johnson, and I'm going to disagree with Simon completely about Star Wars The Last Jedi, which is my third favourite Star Wars film. But there you go. We can't all agree on these things, can we? Uh, Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery, is showing for one week only at The Light in Cambridge, uh, or The Abigate in Bury St Edmunds, if you uh, fancy a, a trip further afield to a lovely cinema, one of my favourites. And uh, it is also going to be on Netflix, as Simon mentioned, on December the 23rd. Uh, stay with us, because after this... We 
we have got another four films to get through. So uh, we're going to pick up the pace a little bit uh, when we've had some important messages. Cambridge 105 Radio. Whether it's Cambridge United, City or Histon Town, From the Terraces brings you reaction as we follow all our local teams. In the main, to savour those moments and to create memories for supporters and, and players is a major thing for us. And delighted that we're connecting with the fans in the way that we are. Delighted that we were able to celebrate in that way because they're the sort of moments that stay with you forever. From the Terraces with Tim Armitage, Sunday at 1 on Cambridge 105 Radio. Listen live on Radio Player. KLG Accountants are a friendly team of accountants and tax advisors with big firm expertise. I'm Lawrence, Director of CKLG, responsible for business services. We understand that running a successful business brings many challenges. Our experienced business services team provide a bespoke service and offer professional advice at every stage of your business journey, allowing you the freedom to focus more on what you do best. To find out more, call us on Cambridge 810100 to arrange an initial chat with one of our specialists. Or visit our website, cklg.co.uk. CKLG Accountants, your partner in business, your partner in life. Cambridge 105 Radio. Across the city and South Cambridgeshire, this is Cambridge 105 Radio. Uh, you are listening to the Cambridge A Film Show. I am Mark Walsh, who's been trying to guide you through an absolute plethora of films, uh, joined by Nick, Yossi, Simon and Alfie. And uh, uh, two of them, uh, Simon and Nicholas, have seen uh, the next film we're going to talk about this afternoon. We're going to have a little bit of a sprint through some of the the things which you can also watch, because there is so much good stuff out there at the moment. Uh, and we're going to start with, I think, two very differing opinions on After Sun. Uh, this is a film featuring Paul Mescal, who you might know from Normal People, if you binge that during the lockdown, uh, which I think uh, I, among many others, did. A fantastic series. Uh, and he's joined by newcomer Frankie Coiro here. Uh, they are a father and daughter on a holiday in Turkey and uh, they are experiencing uh, both different points in life's journey, I think it's fair to say. So, uh, I'm going to start, spoiler, with the positives and come to you first, uh, Nick. What are your thoughts on this one? Well, I'm in the I loved it camp, I'm afraid. Um, This is a a coming-of-age story, in my opinion, a coming-of-age story and a character study in memory. And um, it's a piece of cinema with a... The narrative here is probably less important <laughs> the, 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 it's it is a father and daughter on holiday um and it's without it, it's basically the daughter remembering the holiday the film is directed by charlotte webb so first as writer director first feature very little budget she uses the camera in a way to evoke memory to evoke how she remembered her father, someone she didn't really know or, or understand because she's an 11-year-old girl. I have an 11-year-old daughter. This is probably one of the reasons I like this movie so much. I think it related to me and potentially to my relationship with my parents as well. Um, but the film is framed in such a way that there are, I'd say, three things. Firstly, um, the camera rarely goes above her height or the father's height, so it's framed from her perspective. Secondly, there is footage of the holiday which we know is real and then there's the footage of the film which is her recollection of her time with her father on that holiday which is thirdly closely framed we rarely go outside of the shot there's lots of close-ups of skin of texture and color um, and all of those three things together produce 
a sense and an emotion. This is a tonal piece of, of a memory half remembered, of a, of a time with her father when she... The father is obviously going through some difficult times of his own. I suspect what they are, but the, the, the viewer is, uh, is invited to make up their own mind. There is a sense of tension and dread throughout, which I have to say, if you do go and watch this film, I think I knew nothing about it when I went in. That sense of tension and dread, it's, it's not really what it's about. It's, it isn't... The narrative is really just a memory of, of this holiday um, and the effects it potentially have had on them. Um, and I think it was just beautifully constructed and it created and evoked a sense of memory and of coming of age. And as I say, it's a tonal piece. For me, I loved it. Well, there's a counsel for defence, uh, Nick. Uh, Simon, counsel for the prosecution. There is only one thing more boring than <laughs> watching ho your own holiday videos, and that's watching holiday videos of other people, especially <laughs> other people you don't even know. Um, I've seen a lot of praise for Paul Mescal and Frankie Corio on their very real rep um, presentation and how believable they make it and I can't necessarily disagree with that but that all just means they just made it a more realistic holiday video <laughs> rather than a film which is when you go into cinema um, I've seen a lot of praise and knew nothing about it going in apart from the praise it got um, maybe going more bit more on the spoilery uh, you know territory here but it was like, why are people doing, you know, so hype for this film? It's like, well, it's an art film, it's in the art picture house, it's a cinema, no doubt it's going to be some disaster. And then there just seemed to be a series of Howl and Mould-esque fake suicide psych-outs on the audience where you keep thinking, is the father going to kill himself here? Is he going to kill himself here? Is he going to kill himself here? Which, to be honest, I actually found quite disturbing and offensive the fact that the way they use the mental health in this film for just, I think, just trying to be edgy. Um, you know, she was trying to say something I thought absolutely failed. It was banal, it was dull, it was offensive. Uh, two very contrasting opinions there, and thank you both for your honesty in those opinions. Uh, much appreciated. Um, I, I, we're going to move on from that one, but I am going to say that uh, I am very much in the love camp uh to me it has the quality of almost a half remembered dream uh, and it just drifts through and and you get little fragments of bits coming back uh, i am very interested though by your, your comments on the mental health thing because it's a big yeah. bugbear of mine in many films and for some reason it didn't annoy me with this whereas there are many other films i've seen this year where it has done mm. um, so i think uh, one i'll need to revisit with that uh, lens to see what i think of it um, i will say uh, if you are going to revisit it yourself or if you're going to see it for the first time uh, i think there's just two screenings this week at the arts picture house on monday and thursday uh, so uh, make sure you've got it in the diary if you're going to go along and see it to lighter things now it is the season to be jolly uh, we are uh, always this time of year on the cambridge film show keen to talk about christmas films uh, and there's a, a, a seasonal i think it's fair to say with spirited and also something just enjoyable for the holiday season with disenchanted or is it uh, we're going to find out now and i'm going to turn uh, to alfie to start to talk about spirited uh, which is a, a combination of ryan reynolds and uh, will ferrell doing their christmas thing uh, what can you tell us about this one um well I thought it was okay overall. <laughs> um, like, it takes, you know, the Christmas Carol, the free spirits of past, present, future, and they're like, okay, what if they had their own, like, business? Like, what if they, ch every year they choose someone and they do the whole, you know, pointing at the grave thing every year? And I was like, that's an interesting, that's an interesting idea for a movie. It's never been, I don't think it's ever been done before. You know, and uh, for the first act or so, I was, I was enjoying it. 
Um, you know, like the choosing Ryan Reynolds' character to be the Scrooge of this year. You know, the writing notes of you know his backstory, and they're like, okay, what should we bring up about his past? What should we bring up? You know, that'll that'll make him redeemed. Um, and yeah, and then Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell have this like you know buddy, you know, coming friends, and you know it's enjoyable. But then like, I don't know, like when you get to the the future part. It's just like in the third act. It's, it gets, I think, it gets kind of boring. You know, none of the songs really stuck out. I wasn't really humming any of them when I left the theater, which is how you know the songs aren't really that rem- that uh, memorable to me. Um, but like, you know, it was enjoyable. I enjoyed it overall. Um, if you have Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell in a Christmas movie, it's kind of hard not to enjoy it because you know I like Ryan Reynolds in everything he's in. I like Will Ferrell in everything he's in. You know, he's bringing a lot of that elf energy you know and that was nice to see um you know i think you know um i was gonna say kids might enjoy it but like it does get you know kind of dark humor you know it's kind of hard to tell what the film's going for you know there's like sentiments that you know could be a kids movie but you know sometimes it takes things a bit too far no because yeah, it's got a, I've got a 12A rating, so yeah. I, I will confess... I, it's 12A, I, and I think a lot of it is actually for language and all of that. I've got some younger nieces and all that, and I thought, yes, it should be a nice, fun film, but um, to be honest, half of it, I'm thinking, um, I'm not sure. 12 is probably about the right level, um, you know, for older kids, but I don't necessarily would call it a family film. Now, I, I'm a massive fan of Christmas films. I actually have even, uh, uh, in the past, produced a, a top list of, I think, top 30 uh, Christmas films. Um, uh, Yossi, do you think this is going to make it anywhere onto my list? I'm, I'm not sure, actually. I, I did quite enjoy um, Spirited, but for me, it didn't feel Christmassy enough, if, if I may say that. Um, I... I am a huge lover of Christmas films, just like you, Mark, and I watch about 50 every December, and that was my first... I'm, I'm not allowed to watch Christmas films until the 25th of November, so I hold back, and this was the first one I watched um, of 2022, and I just wanted something a bit more jovial, a bit more Christmassy for what it was promoted as, and it, it, I, I kind of agree with Alfie, actually. It felt a little bit hollow at times, and I don't... And I don't know if it was because the songs, you mentioned the songs that they they weren't, they didn't really stand out to you. There was one really good one, which was the Good Afternoon one, which Mm. I thought was the standout Mm. of the film. Um, But the rest, I don't know, just, I mean, it's okay. It's, it's It's watchable, but it's not, it's a good thing it's on Apple and you can watch it at home. I don't think it's worth a cinema trip. I'll put it that way. And, and, just and finally, add, Nick, very quickly. Yeah, I'll just very quickly, I don't think it's as clever as it thinks it is. I agree about the songs not particularly standing out. But I will say this, my, I watched it with my 11-year-old daughter, and, and this will segue nicely for you. Um, she loved it, um, and when I asked her about Disenchanted, which we are probably going to talk about now, she didn't like that as much. So um, it did resonate with my daughter. Now, this is a real shock for me because Disenchanted is a film I've been looking forward to probably as much as anything else this year. And I think, uh, Yossi, I think, is also sticking a hand up to say yes. And, and there's some very disappointed faces in the studio, which you can't see on radio, but now express with the quality of words <laughs> your disappointment, please, uh, reviewers. Who, who wants to take this one first? If I may, just because Enchanted is one of my absolute favourite films, and I, I feel like we have lost a lot of the enchantment in Disenchanted. It is... Um, 
I was very, very disappointed. But, I mean, Enchanted is quite quite a high bar to go for, but it lost a lot of the magic, I think. Um, And it underused some of the really great standouts in Enchanted, such as James Marsden, who just basically shows up um, a couple of times. Um, And Amy Adams is really trying to pull this one through, but I just feel like it... If you love the first one, don't expect great things with this one because it, it's just not—it's just not as magical. Yeah, I was really looking forward to this because Enchanted, people surprised. I, I loved Enchanted when it first came out. Amy Adams was wonderful, mm-hmm. and I agree with Yossi. It did not have the same magic. I think with the plot twist of trying to bring fairy tale land fully over into real life mm-hmm. meant you'd lost the contrast. And because they flipped it around, you suddenly get all the miserable stuff happening to the fairy tale land and it just wasn't fun or exciting. I think there was about one musical number, um, the big battle scene between Amy Adams and Maya Rudolph as the as a bad guy, which kind of really stood out Disney. But the rest of the film, uh, you know, fell flat. Um, mm. I didn't actually say about Spirited, but I watched them pretty much back to back and Spirited did raise my spirits. I don't like Christmas Carol. I'm not always a big fan of musicals. For some reason, I absolutely loved Spirited. I mean, Elf is one of my favourite Christmas films, so Will Ferrell and Christmas is a good time. And there are a lot more memorable songs from Spirited than Disenchanted. Incredibly quickly, Dave. You're very incredibly quickly. Quick, I was just going to say, yes, not as enchanting as Enchanted, but um, the Spirited, I did really like, and I did think it was very Christmassy, but equally, it's rumoured to have the most, uh, the largest budget of any Christmas movie ever made, if you include the bidding wars and all the rest of it, whereas Disenchanted had a massive budget as well and definitely um, didn't live up to expectation. Well, don't let that money go to waste. Uh, you can see Spirited at The Light in Cambridge, and it's also on Apple TV, and Disenchanted is on Disney+. Plus. Uh, and it sounds like uh, Spirit has the Christmas spirit, but Disenchanted is a bit more bar humbug from our reviewers in the studio. Um, now we're going to turn our attention to something completely different with our penultimate film of the day here on Cambridge 105 Radio. Uh, we are going to talk about She Said, which is the Harvey Weinstein drama, uh, looking at the journalistic investigation. Uh, it stars Kerry Mulligan and uh, Zoe Kazan as the two investigative reporters who are uh, looking into the situation and trying to build up a picture of what's happened. One of the people they talk to uh, is one of the women affected by this, and she's played in the film by Samantha Morton. Here's a clip. These are the original letters. I had to have their permission if I wanted to contact a therapist or speak to an accountant. I was never to speak to any other media now or hereafter existing about it. Jody, this is bigger than Weinstein. This is about the system protecting abusers. I want you to take these. And I want you to use them. So, Yossi, if I can come to you first on this one. Uh, uh, this obviously is an incredibly powerful film, and uh, from my perspective, but I say that as a man, uh, you know, and and I think, you know, without wishing to tarnish every man with that, you know, there's, there's, uh, we live in a society where men have often, unfortunately, been the bad guys. Uh, as a woman, what's your perspective on the the film? It's a, for me. Um, I thought this was a really strong film, and it shows uh, a, a film of this nature with this particularly difficult subject matter. It was great to see. Um, how good it was in terms of having women behind and in front of the camera and what I think this film did 
exceptionally well. It treated the subject matter very sensitively, um, and it told when it was talking of the the survivors' stories and and kind of dramatising those. It was really great that they were the core of the story, not Harvey Weinstein, not that monster. It was about um, the survivors and getting their story told in a way that was respectful to them. And I think the whole film handled that really, really well. It, it, and, and, and just thinking about that kind of journalistic integrity piece, it reminded me of something like Spotlight, for example. It wasn't over-dramatised, it wasn't sensationalist, it was just really getting to the core of the story. Um, and I... You know, I, I am a woman, I was watching it and I was really affected by it, but in, in a good way. I, mean, I have to say, I was actually in tears at a couple of points, you know, as, as mm. just uh, realising quite how much the, the, the situation had, had, you know, gone unchecked for so many years in Hollywood, um, and and you know, the, the number of people that must have been complicit in this. Um, uh, Nick, uh, it, it, does it give that that real insight? Do you feel into to a sort of journalistic processes uh, as well as being a, 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 a good look at actually what happened with the Weinstein situation? Yes, I think it does. Um, I'm glad you mentioned Spotlight, because that's a film that comes... I mean, all the President's Men and all these sort of things, but Spotlight is, is a yardstick for me. Does it stand up to, to, to Spotlight? No, I think it did. Uh, I think there are a couple of things that I would say is, firstly, this is about, you know, how women have been... Well, we know the consequences of what happened through this article did have make a change. The Me Too movement sprung out of this, and I think it's, it's worth remembering that, and that this did make a difference, and it's shocking that... I mean, spotlight. There was it was abuse of, of, of uh, in the church, and we we may have known, suspected some things or not. But really, we we were aware in so many respects of of, of what was happening to women in the workplace and in Hollywood. There were even phrases in the lexicon about you know casting couch and all the rest of it, and, and you know, nothing was ever done about it. And so I think it, I think the film does um, tell an important story, and I think it does it well. It's a very dense narrative, a very dense script, but you are asked to keep up, particularly in the first first act, it was quite hard to keep up with what was going on, but it, but I think the script resolved itself very well and, and neatly described the outcomes and where we, we got to in the piece. I'll say two final things. One is that there's a beautiful, uh, to sum up the film, there's a, there's a, uh, two um, interns, there's a scene where there's two interns and she said, how were the interns? She said one was shaking with fear and the other was shaking with anger. And I think that sums up the film for me in terms of what it's trying to, to, to the story it's trying to tell. And the second thing is, it didn't do well in America. Um, there's been some sort of rumours around um, hot, um, studio shenanigans and all the rest of it. So I would encourage people to go and see it because I think it's an important story. Uh, Simon, for me, one of the most uh, powerful and uh, incredibly impactful things in the film was actually uh, one of the, the people affected by this, Ashley Judd, is playing herself in the film. That, that's exactly what I was going to mention. Um, you know, it, it is good and it is important to, you know, that Ashley Judd is given the voice um, that she'd been denied for so long. Um, and, you know, that's one of the big standout things from this film. Um, Kerry Mulligan was absolutely fantastic, as was Zoe Kazan holding it, um, holding the film, just at the same time where it's showing, you know, the um, Megan Tui and Jodie Cantor, the actual journalists, um, you know, trying to deal with, of course, motherhood, uh, the families, their husband was left at home literally holding the babies as, as they go along and investigate such an important story. Um, it is a worthwhile film and it, it you know, it is going to see. The only criticisms I may have, which is really criticisms, is that it was a story that is so familiar if you do follow film and stuff, and it has been in the news 
so thing there wasn't really anything I learned from it mm. um, maybe in future that won't be a problem and you know I'd recommend it more but I do question the timing on it when it is a true story when it's still so fresh in everybody's mind and it's been made such a big impact you do wonder whether why would you want to go see it in the cinema but if you're not familiar with those stories and you don't know then you know go see it mm. yeah, I, I think I would just sort of second that by saying I think it is worth seeing simply for the documentation of journalistic process and, and the desire to get to the truth as much as anything else and how mm. important that is in our current society uh, if you would like to make your own mind up uh, then she said is uh, showing at the view and the light at Cambridge uh, cinemas and also Cineworld a little bit further afield and it is rated a 15 and I know we could talk about that for so much longer because there's so much to pick into it but we have got about four minutes to have a look at Matilda so uh, I'm not even going to play the trailer for this because uh, I don't think we've got time to do that which is a shame because there's some lovely Tim Minchin songs appearing in it I'm going to cut uh, straight to the opinions on this I'm going to get my cheat sheet up of actually who's seen the film and uh, Simon I'm going to come to you first having looked at my cheat sheet. Uh, Matilda, were you uh, familiar with the source material at all of this one? Not at all. I've not seen the Danny DeVito film. I've never read Matilda. I've not seen the stage show. The only thing I really knew about it was Tim Minchin did the songs and I love Tim Minchin. So I went to see the film and absolutely loved it. Um, Emma Thompson is superb. Uh, Stephen Graham and... Andrew Andrew Riseborough as a parent. I could just watch a film just with them. Um, and, and never mind, like I said, Alicia Weir as Matilda just hang... You know, the whole film, she just owns it. Um, funny, cheeky, naughty, great songs, <laughs> tapping, you know, tapping toes on the way out of it. Fantastic. I mean, I, I absolutely adored it. It was the, the opening film at the London Film Festival this year, where we're, we're just now getting to it. Um, but I similarly hadn't... I, I'd listened to some of the soundtrack beforehand, but I hadn't uh, really seen the film. And I was fascinated to see some of the criticism of it afterwards, that it's a bit stage-schooly. Uh, it's like going to see... A, you know, there, are, there are about 4,000 children in it, it seems. Is that a fair criticism, Yossi, Or No. No, no, I don't think so. I mean, I'm the opposite to Simon. I absolutely adore Matilda. I grew up with Matilda. I've read the book. I've seen the original film. I've seen the, it on the West End. And actually, knowing that this was an interpretation of the West End, I was a bit concerned because I thought, how are they going to adapt this? Because part of the charm of the West End show is its use of set, its use of props. Um, but the film did it just absolutely wonderfully wonderfully this film is an is a delight it really really is and speaking of stage schooly i mean alicia weir as matilda wormwood easily could have been incredibly annoying in that central role she was not she really carried it and she was just lovely to watch i also want to give a, a little shout out to lashana lynch as miss honey that the warmth that she radiated in that role which is is necessary was just Honestly, it's delightful. It was fun. I think I cried about four times watching it, which I didn't expect. Um, so I'm gonna. I'm with Simon. I think it's just wonderful. Uh, I, mean, yeah. I have to say, uh, I, Emma Thompson really does commit to this wholeheartedly. Oh, she, she loved it. You can tell you can how tell, much yeah. Emma Thompson absolutely <laughs> relished this role as Miss Trunchbull. I mean, you stay back to day school. I've got to say, one thing I was going to mention was the choreography was fantastic. All the children doing the tight choreography, the modern dance, you know, all the way throughout the film. It was just, you know, awe-inspiring. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I uh, am a fan of musicals in general, and uh, Emma Thompson, I think, as well. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I thought this was just absolutely fantastic. So uh, I think we are we are generally recommending it. You've got about 30 seconds, anyone, to pick out anything else you would like to mention about the film, or are we just going to give this the, uh, the complete, uh, unreserved, unequivocal, hard sell, we love it? I really love it. I mean, I've said it's so hard to even pick out a, a single actress or actor from the film to praise because they're just all fantastic. Well, songs I mean, are really catchy. There we go. Uh, yeah, Tim mentioned songs. Uh, I think people will be probably downloading the soundtrack quite a lot. Uh, so thank you for coming and joining us. Uh, and a lovely note to finish on there. Uh, it's been a packed show. Don't forget, you can hear this show back as a podcast if you miss us on a Saturday or on the repeat. And uh, we will be back in two weeks with uh, time getting ever closer to Christmas. Uh, so uh, we'll be, I'm sure, considering some festive treats and a whole host of other things as well. Uh, to play us out, uh, because there's a song about being a little bit naughty, uh, let's have a little blast of Beyonce's Naughty Girl. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks. Cambridge 105 Radio.